Well, hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Red Couch Theology Podcast. This week we have a guest because Yvonne Beal uh, was a guest preacher on Sunday, so she joined us on the episode today, and I'm really excited. I, I, know, I know I say that every single week. I say I'm really excited about this week's episode, and it is true every week, but this week I feel like we had a really provocative conversation about the nuances of hearing God's voice, about the complexity of that, about uh, maybe some personal examples from each of us of how God's voice sounds to us. And then I think interestingly, we also talked about what if I don't really want to hear God's voice sometimes? What if he tells me to give something up that I don't want to give up or to do something scary that I'm uh, nervous to do or those sorts of things. So we're going to talk about all those things in this episode. So I hope you lean in a little bit and learn from the wisdom of Yvonne and Alex, and occasionally I'll say some things too. Um, yeah, let's dive in. Well, hello everybody. <laughs> so, uh, welcome we, to the Red Couch Theology pod, Podcast, where we're complaining about our red couch. <laughs> yes, yes. You you caught us right in the middle of complaining about our red couch. We have a we have a guest here, and I've already said on the podcast that this red couch is the most uncomfortable couch ever. And then our, Yvonne sat down and she's like, you're not joking. It's not the best I'm couch. I'm trying to give, get a little lumbar support. Yeah, There's it's like, you, it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's where is very I, much of a 90 degree angle. Whereas, I, whereas yeah. I have like this more comfortable white chair and, and I kind of offered it to Yvonne in this half-hearted, I haven't actually got up way. <laughs> like if you, you want to make me get up off this white chair, I would consider well, not sitting like back down. In it too. <laughs> yeah, he's like fully lounged in it. He offered it to her, but then didn't even twitch a muscle to like stand up. It's okay. And so here she is. Now here she's sitting on the uncomfortable couch. We're but for but we're uncomfortable conversation. We've already rebranded this podcast once, so we're sticking we're with sticking it. We're sticking with it. Yeah, yeah. We um, could, if we wanted to change again, we could call it uncomfortable conversations on the uncomfortable couch or some someone uh actually told me that there's this long there's this podcast story and there's this little jingle um about this random red couch situation for mcdonald's it was like some jingle whatever and there's a podcast episode about the songwriter anyway long story and she tells me the long story and then she says I think you should rename your podcast to the Random Red Couch Theology <laughs> Podcast. And I'm like, we're, we can't rebrand again. But yeah. anyway. Uh, well, welcome to the show. Yeah. yeah. This is what we talk about is the random things. Um, yeah. So Yvonne, thanks for joining us. Uh, for why don't you introduce yourself? Because for some of our listeners, they may not know you. Uh, most sure. of them will still. But yeah, go for it. Yeah. I'm Yvonne Beal. Uh, I used to work at South Fellowship Church. Um, I was here for about seven years working in various roles, but at the end, the formation pastor, and stepped out and in faith into some new roles, working with a team called Chronic Hope and Healing. Our dream is really to, to meet with people, bring them teaching about the kingdom, and make sure that they know that God's healing is accessible because we serve a risen and living Christ. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. And the reason Yvonne's the a guest on the show is we try to, when we have a preacher, a guest preacher on Sunday morning, we try to invite them to the podcast and she was willing to join us. Um, yeah. So you shared the message on Sunday. Would you give us just like the elevator version of your message on Sunday? Sure. Um, yeah, in this series on listening 
to the voice of God. The question that I was given to kind of handle was how do we hear God's voice? And from the key passage, it says that my sheep listen, they hear my voice mm -hmm. and they follow me. So really the, the main way to hear God's voice is to listen. I love it. But I kind of shifted and turned the question a little bit in terms of why are we not hearing God? Mm. Because it seems like that's a really simple answer, but I think in our lives with God, it often doesn't feel that simple. Like mm. it feels more like, I want to hear from you. How come I'm not hearing from you? And yeah, it just felt like the Lord led me to look at the Pharisees perspective in that story of John 9 and John 10 and and to see that they kind of came with their arms crossed mm. to Jesus and unwilling to trust him and to hear him. And it said in the passage that they really, they didn't understand what he was saying. Yes. Uh, and uh, and any of us that have done any preaching know what it's like to have someone sat there with their arms crossed, yeah. glaring at you. Yeah. Like that's not a listening posture. Not at all. Uh, so I, I, and I'm, I, I got the cliff notes from Aaron because I was away this week. Yeah, so I, right. I, I still am, I'm catching up. I love what, how you phrased like, yes, listening is the simple answer. Um, and, and yet at the same time, like, is the something more complex in play? Do you think it's interesting that we use this word listening? And yet for the most part, God's voice is, it seems rarely an auditory thing. Mm. Now, now there are stories. Mm-hmm where it seems like, no, it lands full on that like auditory level. Mm -hmm. But somewhere that word listening is a little bit complex when you realize yeah. that you're not necessarily talking. Like there's, there isn't there that old, I think it's a Buddhist parable, like what's the, what's the sound of one hand clapping? Mm -hmm. Or another one that's like, if a tree falls over in the woods, does it make a sound? Like yeah. how, how do you think about listening when you realize just on a human level, I may be listening to God's voice and there is no sound. Right physically to hear. Yeah. Um, that adds well, some so much to I it. think is listening for his presence mm. and that that actually can come in so many ways. I mean, your very first sermon was, you know, God, looking for God in the earthquake and mm -hmm. the fire and the, the loud noises. And you said actually yeah. like where Elijah found the voice of God, maybe it wasn't even a voice, but it was his presence. Yeah. His, still stillness mm -hmm. and there was something in that stillness that had the essence and or some type of understanding that he was in that yeah. did you right? just call it a still stillness because i love that phrase yeah. like i just I, I, like it just the double emphasis it just gives you i think more of a sense of like it was a still stillness yeah that was a very I mean, good uh biblical emphasis mechanism you yeah. used there the double word thing yeah right absolutely <laughs> Yeah, I was just, um, I was with somebody yesterday and they were like, I, I asked them a question about, yeah, have you engaged with God in that? And they were like, I don't have time for God. And I was like, I kind of chuckled. And then I was like, the reason I'm chuckling is because it's not that we, like that listening to God just takes all this time. It just takes awareness because he wants to be in the, in our presence. Like he wants to do life with us. Mm. And, and so hearing his, his voice or can, could be actually listening to our body. Like maybe he's trying to speak to us through our anxiety. Mm -hmm. Maybe he has an invitation in that. Maybe something, you know, through another person. And I, I just think 
I think the question that you started with is so good to wrestle with, but I'm curious from you guys, what, what is it for like to listen for you? Well, uh, kind of back to what Alex was kind of alluding to. I do think that, um, Dallas Willard is kind of helpful in his book, Hearing God, on that particular issue. Um, he actually, he's a philosophy professor, so he gets into some of the, like, <laughs> early on in that book, you're like, is this a book about prayer or is it a book about <laughs> philosophy? Um, but he gets into some of the mechanisms. Like, we actually, we know maybe if we zoom back from this idea of auditory listening to God's voice um, or listening to anyone, we know that communication, Way actual communication is a ton of body language. Mm -hmm. It's a ton of context. Mm -hmm. It's a, a ton of like, there's a lot more that goes into communication and ideas mm -hmm. translate from one human being to another, or for, in this case, from God to us. And he can leverage all sorts of other mechanisms in, in our bodies, in our minds and all this stuff. It, the point is it's mm -hmm. communication and, maybe it's partially because of the English language. We don't have a great word other than listen to describe mm -hmm. that translation of ideas from one um, being to another being. I, I love like, the, the specific way I remember him phrasing that is we are trying to perceive God, yeah. which is what you touched yes. on like, right yeah. at the beginning. Like That's not a, that's not a, a heard thing. There's not sound waves. Any more than it is a seen thing. Necessarily, yeah. Or a felt thing. Mm -hmm. But but maybe, listen, here, that pair gives us the best sense of, of what's at the root of that. Yeah, and, um, and I think the other reason he's helpful is because we have maybe this nervousness, like, if it's not audible, how do I know? Mm -hmm. And let's be honest, you're actually way more comfortable with nonverbal communication than you think you are. Totally. Like... Mm -hmm. you can glance at a loved one that you know really, really well and know exactly what they're trying to say to you. Literally mm -hmm. the number of things Laura and I can communicate <laughs> without any words whatsoever is hilarious. Like we can tell each other when it's time to leave mm -hmm. by like a look. Like there's yeah. no, no, like, I think it's time to go now. It's just like, right. And we know. Yeah. And so yeah. that's nonverbal communication and we do it all the time as humans. But then we say, our prayer life, oh, that feels weird and scary and uncomfortable. Why? Like, yeah. that's just how he operates right. uh, with us. It doesn't necessarily have to so be I, an audible I, and voice. And I think in that passage, I think the Pharisees do hear God's voice in their guilt. Mm. It says that their guilt remains because yeah, they say that they, like, that's at the very end of chapter 9. Um, oh, chapter he 9, says it, like, yeah. If, if you can't see, like if you're blind, yes, like you wouldn't yeah. have any guilt. Yeah. But now that but you, really you say see you and see, your arms are still crossed and you feel this guilt. So actually that is, I think the voice of God yeah. in their life right then. And they, there are some, it says later that they're divided on this issue, right? Yeah. That yeah. I think some Pharisees did really receive that and heard the, mm -hmm. that conviction inside yeah, yeah. of them. And there were some that crossed their arms and said, I don't understand what you're saying to me. Totally. Yeah. There's going to be some people on Sunday morning that I know cross their arms regularly that are now going to be totally freaked out about crossing their arms when we'll be watching. Guilt and shame. Yeah. <laughs> Guilt and shame. But there is, oh. you're right, there's this posture. So, so you asked how we find listening or how we land in that place of perceiving God's voice. Like I, I want to maybe pull on a little thread that you threw out earlier. 
you were talking to someone who said, I don't have time for that. And may, maybe that in a bigger level is just mm -hmm. like, no, I don't have space for God, full stop. Mm -hmm. I notice for me, it's work, has always been work to be slow enough mm -hmm. to spend time perceiving God. Yeah. And, and, and some of our, I put that down to a degree, like I, I have on some stuff and it's very particular, I think to me, just a, a, a sense of being a control freak on certain things. Mm -hmm. Like I always joke, like I would rather be the one flying the plane, even though the probability of crashing goes up by like 99% or whatever. Yeah. It's just like, I, the, there's a sense of having your hands on something and being involved in it that I miss mm. whenever I'm sat in a commercial mm -hmm. plane. Same reason I don't like not driving. I just like the, the process. So whenever there's something to do, a problem to solve, a task to accomplish, a conversation to have, my immediate sense is I want to get busy on it. Mm -hmm. I, I have the sense it needs to be done. I want to move. So if you think about like Aesop's fables, the hare and the, the tortoise, like the hare is the one that jumps off the line really quickly and he dashes off at a hundred miles an hour and then he's gasping mm -hmm. a little bit down the road, taking mm -hmm. a nap. Whereas the tortoise, like he's a slow, methodical, off the line sort of person. Because I, I, uh, I think of myself far more like the hare, actually saying, no, I'm, I'm not going to rush into stuff mm -hmm. is really hard. So it's, it's, it's a learnt behavior. And I think for some people it's a learnt behavior and some people it's a much more natural mm -hmm. thing. There's some people that have to be really stirred up to do anything. Mm -hmm. Um, and so for me, it's, it's, yeah, your muscles are wired in a certain way. Yeah. Right. And if we want to retrain our muscles, it's going to take some intentionality. Yeah. So, so if you have like, if you think of the brain as either fast twitch or slow twitch, like there's some people that just are comfortable at that that mm -hmm. speed and that's just where they want to operate mm -hmm. and there's some people that's not their natural i have a certain ad and d add sort of mm -hmm. brain mm -hmm. so it, it's always been work um good work mm -hmm. and it's really rewarding when i tap into it and, and i've got so much better at it um through things like solitude and silence that now i actually crave it a lot more than i did yeah but but it's still necessary for me to put aside time mm-hmm to allow myself to be slow. And maybe, did we talk about this the other week? I talked about coming away from Sacred Heart Retreat Center and just yeah. in a different yeah, posture totally. of just like, oh, everything's fine. <laughs> the gas station, I'm not annoyed at everyone getting in the way. I'm just like, yeah, whatever, it's all good. And Yeah, I forget who writes on the Enneagram and the, the kind of triads and uh -huh. how they need certain types of practices to hear from God. Is to, it AJ Shrill? To counteract kind of their natural wiring. Mm. And they say that those people that are the head people, you know, the five, six, and seven mm -hmm. really needs silence mm -hmm. because they tend to have their their minds just go crazy. And by, by stilling it through silence and they have to deal with some of their fears, mm -hmm. they have to talk with God Absolutely. about that. He can speak into that. I think with the relational people, the heart people, they need solitude. They need to find them, find themselves only with God mm. and find who they are with God alone. And then the gut people, these like intuitive people, they need time to just be still mm. um, because they tend to be doers instead of mm. just receivers. Yeah, totally. Well, I, I kind of resonate with uh, what you were saying. When I think of, there's a couple different ways 
back to your question about how do I experience the voice of God. Um, uh, one is I feel like his voice is persistent. That's one marker mm-hmm. that helps me determine whether it's him or not. Yeah. Is he is ruthlessly persistent because maybe because he knows that I'm ruthlessly stubborn <laughs> or hard headed. Mm-hmm. And so when I ask a question like, Lord, what do you want me to know about this particular situation? Or what do you want me to do about this? Um, and I sit in silence. It's usually an idea or an image or whatever it is. Like you kind of led through a practice at the end of the service on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I say, something pops in my head and I say, is that you? If it's you, let it remain. Mm-hmm. And then what I'll find is like sometimes three days later, he's like, it's, it's yeah. that image just <laughs> pops back yeah. in my head. I remember I did this prayer practice up in the mountains once and I, um, I sat down and I was praying, all right, Lord, what do you want me to know about my family life? Mm-hmm. What, how can I be a good husband and a good parent? And he said, paint the house. And I was like, okay, interesting. Is that you? Okay, paint the house, paint the house, paint the house. I did it three days in a row, and the only thing I could get was paint the house. And then eventually I was like, okay, that's not at all what I expected to hear. Yeah. And I have no clue why that's a thing. Mm. But if that is you, which you're kind of being obnoxious about, Lord, like how is that loving? How does that align with your heart? And then it was just like, ding, 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 ding. My wife's been asking me to paint the house for three or four years. And then long story short, I went home and I said, I think the Lord told me to paint the house. And my wife's like, I've been saying that for you. She's like, I could have told you that. Um, And then, uh, um, so we had a chuckle over that, but then that painting of that house turned into us selling the house and moving to the house we're in now. And there was a long story, like all of this evidence that came that that was exactly what he was saying to Mm. me, some restoration in our marriage, some on and on and on. Like it started painting the house, paid a lot of dividends Mm. that I would not have expected, Mm. but it came from persistence. The other one for me would be, I see his face, facial expressions. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of the times I don't think, I don't sense any word. Um, I sense a smile and a, Mm. a nod Mm -hmm. and it's this it's his way of saying you already know the answer and the only reason you're asking me is you want me to tell you something different Mm. Mm. i get that image so many times when i ask him for a specific answer (laughs) yeah i'm like lord what should i do about this or that and he's just like you know it's yeah. kind of like this. It's kind of like, how long have we been doing this, Aaron? Yeah. We've been doing this thing of walking together for how long? Mm. You know exactly what you're supposed to do. And I, but I appreciate you came to me. So wh- why don't you just get on with it? So so on Sunday in my Cliff Notes version that I got, um, you you talked a little bit about other voices that might be mistaken for God's false voice. Shepherd. Yeah. That that's intriguing to me because I feel like. Almost everyone would say there's there's almost multiple voices swirling around in the head. Some of our own internal voices yeah, of shame, yeah. of guilt. Like one of the markers for me of of God's voices is how He doesn't speak, because mm-hmm. there are certain voices of of that that are angry, that are yes. guilt laden, that are and you touched on like the guilt aspect with the Pharisees, but there's a difference between like legal guilt. 
and feeling guilty. There's a difference between a conviction right. of, of, of either like something you're doing wrong, something you should be doing that you're not doing. And guilt that's connected to shame. Uh, yeah, and I'm then bad. guilt connected to yeah. shame or condemnation. And, and so I think that was one of the things that, that was a profound revelation for me was there are ways that I feel like God speaks and it, it's, or have in the past felt like God speaks, but they've been linked to irritation, anger, mm. just some different aspects which aren't healthy, right. which I think is fascinating because I think one of the common misconceptions for people first trying to hear God's voice is, mm. is that some of the voices, whether internal or external, that are very condem condemning, very angry and irritable, are, are God speaking to them. Mm. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I don't think they are. And yet I think because those voices can be telling them to do things that might be good things to do. Yeah. I remember when I was first following Jesus as a 19 year old, I literally felt like I couldn't walk past a piece of litter on the street without feeling God was telling me to pick it up. Mm -hmm. And it was almost this, like just this monotonous stream of just un unbearable weight. Mm -hmm. um, and it took me a while to overcome mm -hmm. that, and so I think that's a fascinating level of learning to hear God's voice. Yeah. It's, it's not just, as you say, learning to hear any voice. It's learning to identify in that swirling mist of Right, and that's where in that parable, Jesus says they know his voice, mm -hmm. right? And Jesus knows them. He calls them by name. There's this, mm -hmm. like, there's this knowing that is required in following, mm -hmm. right? Because if we know his voice and we know the one that, is able to speak truth and grace with just the perfection of sliver, you know, mm -hmm. of slicing between it's, it's this judgment that is such good mm -hmm. and, and it's for our good. Like, mm. like I long for people to tell me truth mm -hmm. in a loving way because yeah. I want to continue to grow and develop, you know, it's, those people that really love me are the people that tell me truth in grace, mm -hmm. you know, like those, I don't know, that feels right. And it feels like, Oh, my soul needed that. Mm. <laughs> right. Mm. Not the like crushing, like you're not enough. You are unworthy. I can't believe that you did blah, blah, blah. Like, like that kind of is mm. just feels like somebody dumped mm. crap on me, you know, yeah. and is trying to snuff out my fire and my passion and who I truly am. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So you asked us, how, what's the voice of God sound like to us? Yeah. What about for you? Like, yeah, what's you know, the voice of Jesus? How does it come to you most often? Because I'm a gut person, I'm in that like uh, intuitive place. I think often there's just a knowing. Mm. Like, like more of your conversations with Jesus where you're like, you already know. <laughs> like, like, it's like in that gut place that he ends up stirring it up. Mm. But I do think when I do ask him questions and, um, Jamie Winship talks about like hearing the voice of God as like the free flow of thought when we fix our eyes on Jesus mm. and that when we ask him questions, we're not asking him questions that he's not willing to answer. Mm -hmm. Like often when we ask a, a why question, like why do you let that happen? And why is suffering? Like, you know, we see psalmists and we see, you know, 
Habakkuk like being like, how long and why are you, why are you letting violence in? And, and these people like that's the first the time real... Habakkuk's, Habakkuk's been quoted on this podcast. Really? I love Habakkuk. <laughs> um, <laughs> this sounds like a different podcast episode yeah. right there. She got so excited. Yeah, We're going to invite you back. Yvonne gives us reasons to love Habakkuk. <laughs> like if you, if you're watching it on YouTube, you'll see her face just light up. It's just so real. Like he's so raw and honest with God. Anyways, so the, and those and but those, those questions yeah. are why, and he doesn't answer the why question because maybe it's just too hard for us as mm. human sheep to understand. But if we want to follow him, he can give us directives, mm. right? And he can give us the information that he needs us to mm. know. So those questions that you were asking, God, like, what do I need to know about this? Mm. That's a one that he loves to speak into because. He loves that we want to know what he knows and yes. and what would be helpful for our circumstances or what do you, you know, what would you want me to do? And I, that, and, and the fascinating thing with that is our Western viewpoint. We're really pretty committed to God speaking in a way that brings us good outcomes. Mm-hmm. Like that's a challenge. Yeah. Um, like if he speaks, it better make my life easier. Yeah. So, so warning like, to give it, to give an analogy that, that, that maybe never plays out in reality, but it works because it, it's something we can track with. It's like me saying, God, which stock should I buy? Mm-hmm. And, and that meaning that if I buy it, it's going to go up. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, like maybe God isn't interested in what stock you buy, and maybe he's not particularly interested at all in you being richer for no other reason than you want to be rich. Mm-hmm. But there are things that we say to God, what should I do? Our imagination is if we say, who should I marry? It will mean that our marriage will be easy. And and that's just not a viewpoint that's ever presented, Mm -hmm. really, that I'm aware of within Scripture. God has purposes and bigger things in play than than whether we have an easy marriage or a challenging marriage. Like he might say, marry them, and it's really hard. Yeah. I mean, Hosea. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a story. It's of, in yes. the Bible. That's yeah, one. It's Have you quoted Hosea before? Probably. Yes. That's like, yeah, that's <laughs> a narrative. A one. That's narrative. So it's a go-to. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I think that that's fascinating, right? Like we, we have all mm-hmm. of these things that we want to ask God, yeah. as you said, some of them he's willing to answer. Some of them he's yeah, said, I'm, I'm, I'm not going there in this lifetime. Yeah. And, and then some of those things are really tied to our personal success or well-being. And, and that isn't always the biggest thing, like, because theoretically that means that when Paul prays and asks God's will, he doesn't end up in a prison cell and then executed. Right. So that's kind of not, you know, that's not the stock going I up. mean, even the illustration of shepherd and sheep we have in Psalm 23, where actually the shepherd is leading them through the valley of the shadow of death. Mm-hmm. Like that's the kind of sometimes the story that the shepherd leads us on, but he says like, he'll be with us. His rod and his staff comfort us in the middle of that. And that he's actually able to, to prove to the enemy that his relationship with us is worth celebrating, Mm -hmm. even in the midst of dark things. And that's not to say that he just wants us to do hard things. Um, I, I do think that some people are out there and just believe, I don't want to ask God questions and I don't, I don't want to listen to him because he's just going to make me do hard things. <laughs> um, yeah, I no, think we Gnosticism have to know, and asceticism is yeah. a thing in the world where people think that the good way to be holy is to suffer. 
and then right. the goal is suffering. Eh, that's also has led to many heresies in the church as well. So mm. yeah. right, but I think it requires that we know his character mm. and that and that we get familiar with the way that he speaks truth and grace mm. and invitation into our lives for our good and for his purposes. Mm. So, you know, when we fix our eyes on the Lord and we ask him a question, I think he he loves that and he loves to respond. And so for me, he does respond, but it's often around the same things. Like I'm with you, like all the shepherd kind of things. Like it's it's going to be okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Because like just keep holding on to me. Like things that come from his voice are things that I know, but it takes practice to, I, to I, learn what he, what he would say and, and go with that gut instinct of his spirit in you agreeing to mm -hmm. that. Yeah. I think one of the things that has been wonderful for me as a personal learning thing has been to, to recognize how quick to forgive God's voice is there's a humility to it in terms yeah. of so me in a personal relationship, if someone does something or neglects me in some way, mm -hmm. I'm kind of like, yeah, going to kind of have to earn this back. You haven't, you haven't called me for like ages and I've called you multiple times and like, I'm thinking about not calling anymore. And, mm -hmm. and I'll be a little salty when you do call me the next time or, or, or all those different mm -hmm. scenarios we play out. We see it in. I would uh, love to see salty Alex. Yeah, I've never seen salty it's Alex. Internal is just a little bit. No, Maybe I've have. been the only one to wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have. But it's just so perfect. Did you? Know? No, you have to read very subtle body language yeah. with Alex to even tell that he's got upset. In yeah. <laughs> so he thinks he's screaming. He actually's like. <laughs> just a tiny yeah. facial expression. It is, yeah. Andrea Jones is a wizard at reading my. She'll like say stuff to me and she'll be like, okay, you don't like that. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Um, but, but recognizing that, that so, so all of my mindset in terms of relationships is one, you have to kind of get back into favor with me if you've neglected the relationship. And my assumption is I have to do the same in return. If I recognize I've neglected a relationship, it's a, mm. uh, it's a there's got to be a few phone calls made or some effort made. And yet it seems like God is incredibly humble. I think maybe it was Philip Yancey mm. that said the miracle of grace is really God is willing to be had by anyone that will have him, which wow. is quite a startling um, way of being for a supreme being. Yeah. Uh, and so that, that, like the encouraging thing there is when you feel like, man, I, I've not been doing the practices, connecting, listening yeah. for a while, instead of believing, oh, I've got to have four or five days of doing those really well. And then God might speak. Mm. It's almost like a, no, no, I'm here. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's why I think relationships with, with kids is, is more helpful than relationships with a friend or a spouse or someone in that territory. Because I think when, when you have children, you tend to see a little bit more, no, I know what I'm like there. I had this moment with my kids are always waking me up. It's, it's been a thing forever. 10 years of tiredness. <laughs> and, and so multiple times I'll end up sleeping on two different floors in a night. Like <laughs> just, just one will have a bad dream. One will wake up for something. And the other night uh, I went into Jude 
Uh, he's five years old. He woke up and he couldn't get back to sleep. And I went in and he said, I want you to come sleep by me. Uh, I was like, no, you, you've got your sisters in the same room. We're at Nana and Papa's house. I'm going to go sleep in my bed. And he just in this heartbreaking little voice went, okay, daddy. And I was like, I'll go get my pillow. <laughs> like, it's, just like, it's just like the way that his little voice grabbed at my heart. I was like, oh, look at him trying to be all like mature about it. But really he's, he's crushed. Uh, and, and so then, then like seeing of some of that, that in terms of my divine relationship um, yeah. is, is pretty, is, is, is helpful to me in unpacking it a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, last night after youth group, I found myself halfway home eating ice cream with my daughter. And I was like, how did this happen? Yeah. She's like, dad, it's actually pretty easy. She's like, she just asked like in a certain way. And like, I'm like, we, why did I buy you ice cream? You know, anyway, um, so funny. Yeah. Um, so we did actually receive a question Great. this week on the, to the text message and it's less of a question and more of a hysterical video. So I thought I'd share this real quick and then maybe we could submit, uh, shift the conversation to maybe sort of this, you alluded mm. to it already, the nature of sheep and mm. maybe some of the uniqueness of why Jesus uses some of that as his illustration. We'll see if I can, we'll see if I can get this to play through everyone. Um, so someone sent this in. This is the the title on this video says "Actual Footage of Jesus uh, uh, Rescuing Me from My Horrible Decisions." Oh wait, wait, wait! It's I'll loop it because you missed the. <laughs> so wait, here's the beginning of the video. Here's the beginning. This effort, this shepherd pulls the sheep out, <laughs> and loops all the way back around. And he <laughs> goes, takes a tumble and the yet again. So, oh, man. so for those of you who are on the podcast, uh, I'll describe it. There's this channel of water, like this aqueduct thing. The shepherd's just hefting this large sheep out of the out of the aqueduct, like with one final heave, puts it on the side. The sheep does this like big loop and then falls straight back into the little oh, waterway. So, so, so. Here's, and here's the fascinating like little farmer's insight from what I'm, I've been told by farmers into the difference between pig and, pigs and sheep. Uh, and it has some element of like our nature and our need for God to pull us out of the, the muck of life. Um, both sheep and pigs are attracted intrinsically to mud. Like something draws them to it. They get into it regularly. And when a pig gets into it, they roll in it. And when a sheep gets into it, they bleat desperately to be pulled out of it and to be cleaned up from it. So like the, there's oh, a nature place there with our own like brokenness. And, and so maybe if you're a person that's like, oh man, I, I feel like I can make the same mistakes over again. And every time... I'm really annoyed with myself and I'm like, no, if only that hadn't happened, maybe you're someone who would say, I listen to God's voice and then I go through huge phases of life where I'm not doing that well. Uh, and I'm really annoyed that I've done it, but it just feels hard to change. There is some element in play there that, that when you do something or fall in a particular way, you're broken in a particular way or, or there's something going on in your life that, that, that has that sense of like, oh, if only that wasn't the case. Mm -hmm. That is sheep mentality. Um, 
pig mentality is like, oh, I'm so glad I'm back in this place. Um, which is, which is, which, which, Such a good illustration. which reflects like some of our, our nature. I can't remember who was it that, that said every young man that wanders into a brothel is really looking for God. Mm-hmm. Um, huh. yeah. and, and there is a nature in us that looks for certain things that can only be found in that still small place of dwelling with God's presence and listening to his voice. Um, But by nature, some of us go to that place and live there comfortably. uh, And some of us feel that call to that true place. And and yet we still end up looking in the wrong places at times. Yeah. Um, What, so as you studied this passage, Yvonne, mm -hmm. um, what are some maybe nuances that this particular illustration offers in the subject of hearing his voice? I mean, it's obviously the sheep hear his voice, but is there anything, any observations you've made? Oh, man. Um, This passage is so layered. Like, I think that we could go on Mm. a whole year studying it and not get to the end of it. Whenever we are going to get to Habakkuk then? (laughs) Wait till we get going to the the Red Couch Theology Podcast, and it's year on Habakkuk. All right, let's go. (laughs) All right, sorry, carry on. No, I guess the one thing that just keeps rising to the surface is this idea of the false shepherds Mm. because it does seem to be what Jesus is alluding to in this first passage with in the context of talking to the Pharisees because they would have known the sheep and shepherd metaphor mm-hmm. probably from David's Psalm, but mm. also from Ezekiel yeah, where he talks about the false shepherds like totally. coming in and the sheep scattering because of them. And, and I, it's a, we're talking about shepherds here and we're talking about false shepherds. So these are leaders that are coming in. These aren't like enemies. Like I think the the wolves or the mm. the the enemy that's coming over the fence, that mm. imagery of the thieves, like I think that's enemy. That's yeah. that's demonic. That's what we were talking about, the condemning, shame, shame guilt. Like yeah. all of those voices, like those are trying to come and steal and kill and destroy us. Like so we know that God's voice, Jesus' voice and the true shepherd isn't coming to steal and kill and destroy. That's enemy but these are false shepherds. So these are leaders. And I think that many of us potentially have had false shepherds in our lives, whether it was maybe a poor relationship with a a father or mother figure Mm. and these leaders in your life that are speaking things that are untrue or are not actually helping you learn the voice of the shepherd. You know, maybe it's false teaching within a church or a cult Mm. or things like that. And and what rose up in me, and I, I didn't really, it didn't seem like the journey that we were taking on Sunday led me to say this, but I felt like what I heard was, you know, regardless of the false teachers that you've had in your life or the false shepherds, like, don't let that discount or discredit the voice of the true shepherd mm. that he really wants you to hear from. I think that too often I'm seeing right now people that are running away from the church because of false shepherds. And, and Mm. what the church is designed to do is to bring us to the voice of the true shepherd and to keep pursuing him as he's the one shepherd. We're the one flock, like we're following him. And even if you have shepherds like, like Alex and Aaron and Dan and 
Dune and and people at South, like they are following the true shepherd and we still need to learn discernment around knowing his voice, mm-hmm. being his totally. sheep. Yeah. And then that the idea of listening um, or, you know, those who have ears, let him hear also takes me back to the Shema when he says, hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. And that Shema, it requires both that listening or perceiving God and what he's saying, but it also requires the obedience. Like, like it's an in and out kind of movement. And I think that that's true of these sheep in this parable is that they're hearing and they're following. And they're following. Okay, yeah. We should slow down there for a minute <laughs> because I think that, so we just to be real explicit, um, there we've described God's voice already through some personal examples and this sort of thing is it's, it's a voice that's in alignment with the character of Jesus. Yeah. It's a voice of sometimes challenge, but always with grace, with an undergirding of love. These are the s- descriptions you've heard today. So that's one way to know whether it's him, right. Mm-hmm. Is to determine that. Um, and one way of listening, but then, uh, the other question you asked in their sermon was this, why aren't we hearing? Um, sometimes there's this uh, unwilling. Oh, well, the other the other one we already mentioned in the podcast. To be clear, is is um, we ask the kinds of questions that he's actually wanting to answer. Yeah. So we come with his agenda on our mind yeah. when we pray. You're more inclined to hear a message from God when you're. Um, trying to engage his agenda for the world, his kingdom. Like that's what he came to bring, his kingdom, not yours. And so if that's the kind of question you're asking, I want access to your kingdom. I want to know how to advance your kingdom in this particular situation. Those are the kinds of questions he tends to answer. And then this is the other one, which is um, an inclination towards obedience. So can you unpack that a little bit more? Is that done? I mean, (laughs) I think just what you were saying when we're asking God, he sees our heart, right? And he sees our intentions behind what we're asking, whether we want him to, whether it's a manipulative thing, right? Like I want to be in control. I want to, I want to fly that plane (laughs) or is it a surrender? And, and, uh, I'm willing to lay down my life for, for you because I love you. And because I know that you have the best in mind for me and the best in mind for my world. Mm. And, and that actually by opening my ears to hear you, it is going to result in your kind of kingdom coming from heaven to earth. Mm. (laughs) Like, and, and he can see that he sees our intentions behind what we're, what we're asking. And when our intention is inclined to okay, what, what you say, I intend to obey. You were the one that taught me that line. Um, gosh, why wouldn't he just s- spill out, you know, what his heart is? And I think of that passage about like delighting in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Like, like this mutual kind of love relationship and delight relationship. There's, and there's freedom, um, to walk in those things and to ask for those things when we know that we're asking them with his heart. Mm. And I think the same thing is true when we are asking Lord, what do you want me to do? Like, and, and I'll be courageous to take those steps. So what do we do when we really don't intend to obey? Cause we honestly aren't sure that he's good. Mm-hmm. 
So how can you pray? Like, I, I, there's, I'm sure there's people out there. You're like, I'm not so sure. What if he asks me to get up and move to a really hard country and be a missionary? I'm too, I, I don't want to, I'm scared to pray because what if he asks me to do the hard thing? Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you encourage someone to continue to ask even in the midst of that emotion? Cause they See, don't intend to obey. I know. And that's where I think that that like trust needs to be built both like your trust in the Lord and the Lord's trust in you. Like when he tells you, Hey, Aaron, this is what I want you to do next. He's entrusting that mm. message to you. And mm. now you have the responsibility to obey. <laughs> so I, th- I, right? I, I think there's some like some good, honest conversation sometimes with God in prayer. Um, like the phrase uh, want to want to yeah. um, is the one that comes to mind. Like, and, or help and, me in my unbelief. Yeah. Right? yeah. Lord, I believe help my unbelief. Yeah. And, and I think, I think maybe was it Teresa, uh, St. Teresa of Avila that said, um, God, I don't, I don't love you. I don't even want to love you, but I want to want to love you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just this, like, this is the best I can get to right now. So, well, so, in that way, I think that is building trust. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's I think starting right, yeah. with pure honesty yeah. and starting wherever you are. Yeah. So, so help, help me to get, um, so, so maybe the conversation with God is God help me by small steps yeah. to get to a place where I can trust you in the big steps. Um, and and we are classically people that want to to run before we can walk. It, there's a reason that I think you meant. I mean, you used it as an illustration. The number one, I think, think I think I remember students telling me God had said to them growing up was, "You're supposed to be a pastor, or you're supposed to be a missionary." It's like He didn't ask you to talk to the friend that lives down the street. He didn't ask you to to love your parents or your siblings better. He asked you to move four thousand miles away, and maybe he did. Yeah. But but it's like the run thing. Um, and yet maybe the trust is built both in the the, the small things. I, I remember when I was, I was probably 20 years old and I, I really, I was sharing my faith with everybody I knew. And I was like, God, just tell me if there's someone I'm supposed to talk to, just let me know. And I remember I sat in the bus, I was like, I picture this lady in a red coat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I saw this lady in a red coat walking towards me and I like stopped her to give her like a classic gospel tract or something like that. Not that it was a useful way of doing evangelism. Uh, and now, did anything happen? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Was it a demonstration of my willingness to do anything that God asked me to do? Well, perhaps so. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So I think, again, it's the outcomes thing. We want to, like my expectation was if I pictured a lady in a red coat, uh, that I would stop and give her the gospel track. She'd be like, oh, I pictured someone coming down the street and handing me one of these and she would fall down on her knees in the mm-hmm. middle of the street and she would have this great story of how God spoke to her in this moment. And, yeah. and yet maybe that wasn't the purpose. Mm-hmm. Maybe I was just learning. Maybe it was more this. about you. Maybe it was, right. Yeah. And so that, that I think like asking God teach me in small ways uh, and then being conscious of, and we've talked about this certainly on the mm-hmm. pa- podcast before, like good memories require processing and thankfulness mm-hmm. to really stick to our hearts. Bad memories are like Velcro. Totally. Good memories, Teflon, bad memories, Velcro. And so even just remembering ways that God has spoken and been faithful before yeah. Yeah. are actually, it seems, key to us learning to trust him with other things in the future. Yeah, so I, I love that. I mean, I think those are great tips. So maybe rather than asking about some big, scary, audacious thing, Maybe if that's where you're at and you're like, I don't even know if I trust him. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I'm, I can't say what you say and tend to obey. Mm-hmm. 
Maybe you just talk to him about that yeah. and say, Hey Lord, I've got some trust issues mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm asking you to help me with those issues. And, and even show to, me your yeah. goodness. Show me, help me to trust you again because this happened or that bad thing happened. And I thought, I think it's your fault. And frankly, I'm angry at you right now. So this is what I have to offer. And, and having good safe spaces to totally. process that with others who can speak truth and speak the voice of the shepherd yes. in, I think is really helpful. Uh, like that, that, that was exactly like asking God, speak to me in low risk situations. Mm. Um, because the, 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 the feeling of, I worked for a guy once who um, had a really like incredible prophetic ministry. God really spoke through him in, in incredible ways. He was mm. at this very affluent Pentecostal church in London, like church that regularly had celebrities, very wealthy people turn up. And he was praying for a bunch of people. And as he was praying, he mm. noticed a lady, about five people down this prayer line. And he said, God said to me, tell her she doesn't need to sell her body anymore. Mm. And uh, that's a make or break ministry thing. I mean, like that's like never invited back again. That's like just disaster denominationally. Yeah. Um, and so as he went um, down, he felt very strongly. This was what God was saying. And, and very quietly, discreetly he said, this is what God has said to you. And turns out she was a really high profile escort in London for lots of very rich people. It was exactly what she needed to hear, and it was a life-changing moment. Wow. But to do that for the first time in a high-risk situation like that, there's no way he does that without years of becoming right. very comfortable right. discerning, God, how are you speaking? Yeah. In you get to know his that, voice. Uh-huh. Like, you start to have yeah. more and more confidence over time. Yeah, so, yeah. so, so like, I, I would say personally, if, if I was in that situation and God said that, I would say, God, I'm not sure. Like, I, <laughs> like I'm learning. Like, <laughs> I'm not ready to take that step. Yeah, David had taken that step hundreds, if not thousands of times in low-risk situations. So so finding your low-risk environment, your safe space yeah. with people that you can trust and, and recognizing there's, there's some things that you might hear and God might ask you to do or to share. But if you're wrong, yeah, mm-hmm. not a big deal. So another example that I can think of when it comes to building trust is I, I, I was talking to someone and they were just wrestling with their faith in general. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can do this Christian thing. Um, and part of it was because they they had uh, a struggle in their life, a very personal struggle that they felt like the scriptures definitely teaches against this. Um, and I can't, if that's true, I can't do this Jesus thing. Mm. And it's the barrier between me and him. And so the, they met with me to actually say, is that actually true? And um, And honestly, it's a complicated situation, but... I won't get into any of those details, but what I I said, well, maybe my recommendation for you is to put that issue aside. Mm. And this is a barrier. And if he chooses to bring it up way down, like he's not in a rush to transform every single facet in your soul today. (laughs) So what if you just take that big, hairy, scary terrifying thing that's been a massive wall between you and Jesus. And you just, Say, we're going to talk about this later. And then ask him for something low-hanging. Just say, all right, Lord, is there anything else you want to speak to me? Mm. And then then try it out and see if he is good. Mm. See if he's good here and then here and then here and then here. And then leave it up to him to decide whether that big scary issue 
is going to come back up to the conversation later. Mm -hmm. And by then, maybe your soul will be ready to hear it differently. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, I didn't even know that was one of the options. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so she was able to say, all right, I can try, I can try that. And I said, whatever you do, I don't know. I can't tell you how to deal with that big, scary issue. But what I can say is please don't stop talking to Jesus. Because mm -hmm. if that issue never resolves itself in your life, if you have a dialogue, a conversational relationship with the living God, you're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And so that was this tremendous freedom for her. So maybe that's another one. Establish trust. Start small. Ask him for... <laughs> Lord, I, I want to hear your voice. Give me something little to do. <laughs> and I think yeah. that, that like that, that sticks out to me as something if you are needing the shepherd to speak to you. When, when, we, when it, you talked about one false shepherds and also just shepherds in general, we all get to shepherd different groups of people. Mm -hmm. a, a ton of people listening, a large percentage of people listening have responsibility for shepherding someone, whether it's your kids, yeah, yeah. whether it's you know, your family, people in a small group, maybe a church setting and stuff. And, and I think one of the things I realized uh, a chunk of time back was that one, the teachings that I gave and the advice I gave was qualitatively different when I created space to say, God, what do you have for your sheep this mm -hmm. week? today mm -hmm. in this moment mm -hmm. just creating that space to ask that question if i got obsessed with just an idea i was really excited about that wasn't a healthy thing if mm -hmm. i was just particularly like no this illustration or this like nugget of knowledge those were fine but the real joy came in that mm -hmm. question and i i've been reading jeremiah a ton because we're, we're doing a series on it soon and this passage where he says, he says this, woe to me because of my injury. My wound is incurable. Yet I said to myself, this is my sickness. I must endure it. My tent is destroyed. All of its ropes are snapped. My children are gone. The shepherds are senseless and do not inquire of the Lord. So they do not prosper and all their flock is scattered. And I read it and I was like, ouch. Like that's, <laughs> that's like a hard thing. Like it, it's mm. a reminder that no, the, she the shepherds that do not inquire of the Lord and not shepherding well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And, and that, that has to be a focal point. So if you're shepherding someone, like that question, what do, God, what do my sheep need? What are the sheep that you've called me to care for? Really your sheep. Yeah. Like, what's the need there? Yeah, recently I also learned that Saul's name means to ask and inquire. Yeah. Oh. And how interesting that when, you know, God's like, you don't need a king, I've, you've got me. You don't need a king, you got me. But when you ask for a king, here's what you need. And who he selects to be his very first king is king ask and inquire, mm -hmm. meaning that that king didn't have all the answers, yeah. that he huh. had to go before God. And and as leaders, I think that is so true. And leaders of families or, or congregations or just disciplers, um, mm. I think we do have to know our shepherd's voice and know the true shepherd. And it's that one shepherd that doesn't scatter, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. What, the result of that is that he's one shepherd and one flock. It's this mm -hmm. coming together and this unifying. And I do think that the voice of God unifies mm -hmm. and he speaks in one voice. So when you hear what God's saying in, in another country or in another city or like things that he's revealing of himself or, or themes, 
tend to have the same voice and then yeah. we know that it's him. And that's why we truly do need the spirit of God to be our discerner, to be that gatekeeper mm. of what we let in because it's that it's his spirit that is going to resound mm. and it's going to be confirmed in the character of God and the scriptures of God and the people of God. <laughs> mm. Like yeah, that's totally. what the, the true shepherd is one that unifies. And that's, that illustration of having false shepherds scatter. Well, I think we can just see that in culture, mm -hmm. right? Totally. Those, those shepherds that are bringing in different ideas that are scattering sheep and creating division. And, mm -hmm. and that's not what the spirit of God and the true shepherd is. It's Yeah. So I was going to ask you a closing question, uh, which was like, could you just give us your heart for this message? But I feel like you just did that. Yeah, maybe, yeah. So, so anything else, like if you, oh. if there's, um, it's, you know, someone's probably going to listen to this. Most people, most of our podcast listeners listen, you know, a day later or two sure. days later. So, um, they, they heard your message on Sunday and now partway through the week, there's sort of this reminder. What would you want them to remember the most from what you God put on your heart for, for this last week? Uh, honestly, this whole, like, how do we hear God's voice again, could be a whole series in and of itself. <laughs> and we it did, a, we did a whole conference <laughs> on it last year called God speaks. And if you want to watch it, you can go and watch more of our heart for it. But, um, gosh, I think that if you're someone who feels like God only speaks in his word, then I would just like challenge you to say, Actually, the spirit and truth can speak directly to you mm. and to take the risk of being in that kind of relationship with him where he speaks specifically to you and into your circumstances and you're able to know he knows you personally and that he wants to lead you personally as one of his sheep. I think for those that are hearing God's voice and maybe you're setting the scriptures aside my challenge for you would be like, is what you're hearing from the Lord and from what you feel like is his spirit, is that bringing unity with the scriptures or is that scattering? Mm. Because I do think that I have friends that are out there that are hearing things from the Lord that don't seem to be in alignment with, with truth. And so I do think that we need to anchor what we hear, even if it is personal, yeah. with with the word of God, the people of God, the spirit of God, the character of God. And, and then we can learn the, the nuances of the ways that he personally speaks to us. And that is what is going to create fresh testimony and keep us excited to have relationship with God in this season. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thanks for being on the yeah. show this week, yeah, um, I will say you're, I heard another story this morning from someone who went through, who was at the, uh, uh, at the Sunday service, went through your sort of listening prayer practice and had something very personal spoken to them. I'll tell you that off the air. But um, anyway, God spoke on Sunday morning yes, and we're excited to hear him speak more and more in our community. We want to be a church that is like that. So yeah. I love it. Love y'all. See you guys. We'll see y'all next episode. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, thanks again for listening, and we hope that that was a helpful conversation for you. We'd love to interact with you about this, so feel free to leave comments, questions, all that sort of thing, and we'll try our best to get back to you when we can. 
Have a great day.